Welcome to the Story Paths podcast, where we explore links between story and culture. I'm Theodore Lowry, your host. I'm excited to announce that, as of March 2023, I've released my first on-demand creativity course. It's on Skillshare, nestled within a library of great creative courses, and if you're not already on there, I've got a link in the show notes where you can get a free month. My course is called Creative Writing, Brainstorming Story Ideas. In it, I guide you through finding ideas within your memories, working with them as symbols, and learning to deftly combine and recombine them into meaningful stories. There's a trailer for the course there in the show notes, along with the free link. Hope to see you in there. And so, we begin. I'm Theodore Lowry, and welcome to the Story Paths podcast. Myth makers, meaning makers, weaving grass into musical shakers, songs to cosmos, songs to earth. Songs for death and songs for birth and new from old and old from newly felt worlds that are ready to sow into grass and skyscrapers, meaning maker, myth maker, human is a giver and a taker. Have you ever had a frustrating argument with someone where you're feeling like the person has a gap in their worldview that everyone except them can see, but that they refuse to look at. And that when you try to point it out to them, they cover it over with arguments and defenses and make accusations to you because they refuse to look at this hole in their understanding. Can you think of groups of people who are like that? Even whole countries where many people are like that or even the whole human species. In fiction, you often find that villains are like that, that they have a whole explanation of how things are and how things should be, and they don't want to look at any problems with that explanation, and they're just carrying out this big mission. Most well-written villains will think that they're the hero of the story, and they're not willing to look at the problems with their worldview. So I'm thinking of a popular example like Thanos in the Avengers movies. He had this idea, there's too many people in the universe. It's it's overpopulated. We're going to have to kill half. And then the universe, there'll be enough resources and everything to support everybody else. So the gap in his view is that it's incredibly unethical to kill half the people in the universe and that those half might have a huge amount of wonderful things to contribute. Or a real-world example, think of Hitler. He thought and professed that he was cleansing the country and bringing better culture to the whole world. But the huge gap in his view, was again that it's incredibly unethical what he's doing and that he was wrong to think that one group of people is better than others and should dominate them. In a smaller way, in arguments that you might have had in your personal life or disagreements, 
you might have found that the same and harder to look at, you might have done that yourself. In fact, I think we probably all do that. So my understanding is that each of us, we have a worldview, you could say a story that we live in, an understanding of ourselves as characters, as who we are, the world we're in, our relation with others. And I speak for myself, my worldview is incomplete. There's gaps in it. But especially in the heat of the moment, I don't really want to admit that. So I'll tend to fill those gaps or try to fill those gaps or pretend that I don't need to learn those things. Sometimes an argument with a person can be a bit like two people facing off in martial arts, that each one is trying to minimize their own weaknesses and maximize their own offensive capacity so that they can cut in on the other person's weaknesses. So if I am not knowledgeable in a particular area and I'm in an argument, I might try to move the argument to some other area so that the person doesn't get in and show my ignorance. But what if that hole in my understanding is exactly the opening that I need to get more understanding? What if the person that I'm arguing with has some understanding that I need? And if it wasn't an argument and I wasn't so defensive, then that understanding, I might be able to receive it. So you often see this in fiction, where people have these two different worldviews, and each one has something to share with the other. So I'm thinking of, for example, the two main characters in the film and the book Contact, the books by Carl Sagan. There's a character who's a scientist and doesn't really believe in religion or is seeing everything really in terms of science, explaining the world in terms of science. And then you have a man who's a Christian and he's understanding the world in terms of God, in terms of theism. And they meet and they have a bit of a love affair and they share some views with each other. So the man gains more appreciation for the explanation that science offers and the woman gains more appreciation for the explanation that religion offers. Another example off the top of my head is in the movie Up, the Pixar movie Up, where you have the old man and the young boy. And the old man, he's experienced, he has knowledge of the world. The young boy is super inexperienced and goofy and clumsy. But he needs something the old man can offer, some mentorship. And the old man needs something the boy can offer, that youthful enthusiasm and help, and also that wonder for life. So sometimes when we have gaps, when a character has gaps in their understanding, those gaps can actually be filled by another character. And this can make things really interesting. And often what you see in fiction is that initially, because it's not a story unless it takes a little time to play out, initially there's a resistance. And the audience may kind of sense, oh, this guy needs to learn this from this woman. Like she's coming in with more of an openness to life and he's, you know, gotten all stodgy and he's just into business and working all the time, for example. But then she might need to learn something from him, some uh, sense of organization in his life or self-discipline or something, you know, like uh, I'm thinking you might see in a romantic comedy, for example. So each one initially resists that initially resists what they need to learn from the other. 
So you often see this in fiction, and of course, fiction is based on real life, and real life is to some extent based on fiction as well. They have a relationship with each other, and so just like we're telling stories, we also live in stories, and we can be a little bit precious if somebody comes and tries to change our story. Now, I should mention, I don't mean to say that the stories that we use to understand life or the stories we live in are necessarily unreal or disconnected from reality. They certainly can be, but to, I think to different extents, to the extent that we're connected with who we really are and our connection with the world, then we're living in a true story, you could say. But you might kind of conceive that the world and the universe are not made up of atoms so much as stories. Uh, that's a quote I heard some time ago that I don't remember who it's attributed to, but it makes a lot of sense. It's a whole worldview. And in fact, if, I, if someone says, well, no, you know, the universe is made up of atoms or of, of light, that itself is, that explanation is a story that they're living in. We live in a field of consciousness and our understanding of the world is the story we're living in. And I don't know if anybody can really claim full objectivity, whether it's religion or science or whatever. So actually, speaking of religion and science, and speaking of those two characters in the film and the book Contact, the scientist lady and the religious man, that's a pretty interesting meeting of stories. And I think a very good example of each story claiming a kind of monopoly on truth when there's these big gaps in the story. So when I speak about religion and science in this way, I know there's very open uh, spiritual scientists, and I know there's very scientific religious people. We're kind of simplifying things here for the purpose of story and the purposes of understanding, kind of talking about controversial science versus religion. And we have seen a lot of that in history, and we still see that today, these kind of debates of a religious person versus an atheist. So what are these two worldviews? We have religion, which in the West, uh, in Europe, a lot, a lot of the times means Christianity, and a lot of times means the church, this political institution connected with religion. And the church has made a lot of big claims throughout history that this is God, this is the one true God, everybody who's not worshipping this one true God is an outsider, and here's the scripture of God, and here are the representatives of God, and here's how you get to God, and that's the best place to get, so you better do that. And then science coming out, you know, in the Renaissance times and the early scientists like Galileo and others, they were actually coming from the church. They were members of the church, but they had these real disagreements, uh, different worldviews. So, you know, that the earth revolves around the sun, for example, or talking about evolution. So these things were considered very heretical because they're outside of the story of the church. So if you were to conceive of the church and modern Western science as being two people, if you were to personify them, 
you know, what, what might you come up with? <laughs> Just take a moment. So I, there's not a right answer for this. In my mind, I think of the church as being a very domineering father and of science as a rebellious son. So the father, church, is coming in and saying, I can explain everything. My explanation is enough. Where do the fossils in the ground come from? God put them there. Why does it seem like the world is older than, you know, however many thousands of years? It's because God put all this fossils in the ground. Why are there people of all these different religions in the world? They're sinners, they're heathens, or they're mistaken. So it is, in a sense, a complete explanation, but wherever the gaps are in the explanation, it gets super simple and not really satisfying. Why are there people of other religions? Well, they're like heathens. And most religions have, or no, many religions have explained those outside the religion in terms of just being, you know, outsiders, not people who don't get it. So then you've got science coming on the scene with and being really oppressed by the church in terms of these different understandings of life. And then over time, although science is ostensibly based on just what you can measure, what you can sense, what others can confirm, science's range of explanation has gotten larger and larger until now we've got science trying to explain the origin of life, uh, the origin of the universe, and the origin of religion. It's a bit of a shaft from the part of science of saying, well, religion and all of that, it is just something that people made up. It's not real. It's not scientific. So, as I see it, this is a weakness in the scientific worldview. Science is very strong when it comes to explaining history, archaeology, talking about the, the body, the workings of the body, the electronic impulses in the brain, the movements of the planets. Amazing. When it comes to explaining religion and mythology, the best science can really seem to do is explain them in terms of survival advantages. So why is there religion? Because it tends to bring people together and then they can survive. So the survival of the fittest. It's kind of like all the mysticism and religion and all the spirituality in the world gets shoved through this narrow little door of survival of the fittest. And what comes out the other side is something that fits within the worldview of science, but which doesn't do justice to the actual phenomenons, the actual truth. Just like with the church, all the other views in the world that are outside the church's doctrine get reduced to, well, they're, they're all heathens. You know, that's how we're going to explain them in terms of our worldview. But wouldn't it be interesting, and this is happening, if there's a dialogue, a true dialogue between religion and science, not trying to disprove the other or pretend that, you know, one's own worldview is complete, but really having an open dialogue between the two of them. Not a debate, not an argument, but a real conversation. 
Now, I know people are having these conversations and that I've basically stereotyped uh, the church and religious people and scientists for the purpose of making the point and for the purpose of talking about story. Because usually story is simplified, kind of boiled down. It's kind of what an archetype is, isn't it? It's simplified and amplified. It's something that we are as humans, but it's more accented. And a lot of the fluff is taken out. So you have a person who's just all about this or all about that. So how I see it is really all of us are living in partial stories, living in stories with gaps in them and also with strengths in them, places where we have a deeper understanding and places where we have a weaker understanding. And then another person might have strengths where we have gaps and gaps where we have strengths. So in a story, it's kind of interesting to have a villain who is totally unwilling to look at the gap in their worldview. But in real life, it's kind of more interesting to collaborate, I think, and to have conversations across boundaries. And even in stories, I feel this is actually more interesting as well, to see two characters struggling, but then sharing and learning from each other. All right, well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And ask you one question. Can you think of anybody who you think might like this kind of content, that might like hearing nerdy story theory that relates with fiction and real life? If so, please share it with them and spread the word. Thanks for listening to Story Paths, where we finger threads weaving story with culture. Before we go, I'd like to remind you of my new course, Creative Writing, Brainstorming Story Ideas, that is now available on Skillshare. If you're looking for a playful, creative space, this may just be for you. You can find the trailer and a link for a free month of Skillshare in the show notes. And as we part, I send my best wishes for you and yours. In the words of the Irish poet John O'Donoghue, may you realize that the shape of your soul is unique, that you have a special destiny here, and behind the facade of your life, there is something beautiful and eternal happening. And so we close.